Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with Mike Weeb to discuss his adventure of leaving Canada for some time. I'm not sure he's ever coming back. I think he says he is at some point, but it sounds like he's having a, a great time down in Mexico. And the reason that we're sharing this is more and more investors that we are working with and Canadians are taking big chunks of their year and living outside of Canada. Not only that, we have some investors that we've worked with for some time who are making the decision to leave Canada entirely. This is a fairly new trend. Um, we didn't see this. Maybe it's just our age now and have been working with people for enough time that people have built up asset bases and they're um, able to do this kind of thing. But it definitely seems like something we did not see in the past. So we want to share these stories. So Mike has been on the podcast before he was actually on with Greg Foss. We get into his personal Bitcoin journey, how he went down that rabbit hole, and some of his decision making to live outside Canada, where he's living now, how it's going, some of the costs that he's incurring to do that. He shares it all on this episode. He does a weekly chat about Bitcoin to talk about that subject in particular. He shares those details on this particular episode as well. Great guy, really thrilled to be able to share his story. And if you are listening to this and you want to build up your own asset base yourself and you're thinking perhaps that includes real estate, then we have some great news for you. We have a bunch of information available on our website at rockstarinnercircle.com. We have free digital copies of our books. We have several different reports. One of the more popular ones that we updated for 2022 is our population explosion report because there is an absolute population explosion going on here in Ontario. It's causing a structural housing problem and it's creating a lot of demand for houses that most people still don't recognize. So we have that information there for you. We have uh, YouTube videos. We have different blog posts on there. So just a bunch of information. If you want to register for our Canadian real estate investing class, you can find links to that as well. That is our introductory real estate investing class that Nick and I do about once a month. And uh, that's it. You can find it all at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, we are live with Mike coming at us from Mexico. Yeah, wearing his Your Life, Your Term shirt. If you're listening to this, Mike is proudly wearing his Your Life, Your Term shirt. So we totally appreciate that. Mike, pronounce your last name properly for me so I don't mess this up. It is Weeb. Weeb. Mike Weeb. And you, Mike, we met when you were in here. Some, of, some, some people might remember listening to you when you were in here with Greg Foss. And Greg Foss was just amazed at your, your long drive skills. Um, for those of you who don't know, you have a drive, you have a long drive record from, a, I guess it's a, a, a little bit back, but it was just an incredible number. Sorry. Now I'm off track, but now I have to know, can you repeat to me? How far <laughs> did you drive the ball again? Can you tell us that? It, it was no record, but, uh, I was a record. You're a, you're, you're, you're a record breaker in my mind yeah. when I heard this, <laughs> my longest drive, recorded drive in competition was 428 yards. That's what do you mean? Recorded drive. So you're trying so, to tell me you have a longer one? Like, well, like an official one where it was in okay. competition. Um, so out of competition, what did you hit? This is sounding like you hit it further. I, you know, honestly, I don't even know. Um, that could be the longest 
recorder one. Uh, it's the only one. It's the only one I would ever pay attention to because there's someone else was doing yeah, yeah, the yeah, measuring yeah. sort of thing. But it's it, long drive is one of those things where the the legends of you know five and six hundred yard drives are are plentiful and it's it's always relative to conditions. So. Look, you're uh, downplaying this like it's some small thing. <laughs> 428. I, I, I think I'm trying to think with my slice. I, I, I feel like I'm probably like, I don't know, like a hundred. <laughs> you got to calculate. You got to calculate oh, the distance oh, going the right as well. There oh, do you, go. you? Oh, okay. Then I'm, yeah, I'm probably 300. Probably 300. Yeah, no, I'm solid. I'm right. I'm right. I'm not, I'm no Mike, but I'm, I can hit it. I can hit it. There but, you go. Uh, Anyway, the reason, the real reason I wanted to chat with you was uh, you, you're kind of interesting to me because when we chatted with Greg, you were talking about, you know, you got into the Bitcoin and you went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And then you mentioned to me, I guess this would be in the fall of last year. So 2021 that you were going to go to, I thought it was Colombia or somewhere down South for, for a few months. And now you're in Mexico. So I'm just curious, how does somebody, you're born in Canada? Yes. Yeah. I was, uh, I'm a, uh... I'm a Saskatchewan native. I grew up in Alberta. I spent the last 20 years in Toronto, 20 some years, and uh, literally sold my condo uh, would be a year ago last month. Um, so, oh, wow. Okay. In that so, yeah, walk, walk, yeah, walk us through that. So, like, how do you go from living in Toronto to deciding you're going to, um, well, first, how did you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole? I think you've shared a little bit about this, but can you just talk about that? And then we'll talk about you being in Mexico and what you're thinking about living in Mexico and that whole bit. How did you go down this Bitcoin rabbit hole? Sure. Um, so uh, my brother and I kind of embarked, I guess, on this journey together. This would be five years ago, give or take. And so th the funny thing was, is that prior to this or prior to that, I had actually um acquired some bitcoin onto a like a, a you know a mobile app wallet and i was fooling around with it a little bit you know splashing around into some different businesses that were you know asking for payment in bitcoin but i still didn't know what it was and i remember sitting you know at the time i was a personal trainer and i remember sitting with uh another you know a a fellow trainer where we had this bitcoin talk and at the time it was $250 and I was thinking gee it's it, I was thinking of it like a stock right as most people do it's like oh it's going to take forever for it to get to 500 I can only afford like two of them right now there's no point and so I left it alone but and then when I started to splash around and do those little businesses I remember going to an ATM somewhere like Richmond Hill or something and I remember seeing the price was like 650 bucks. I'm like, Oh, it did double. Uh, and it didn't take that long either, but I still didn't get it. Uh, I still hadn't done my homework. And so like with most people, the number going up is what gets your attention. Right. And it wasn't until, and I have to give credit to my brother for this is, you know, we, you know, we started to watch videos on the current financial system. Um, it may have been the, um, the inside job, the zeitgeist films, you know, where they start talking about the world banking system. And it was so clear to us that the, the current system was, is, was in total disarray. 
And in one of the series that we watched online, um, I think it was a Mike Maloney one inner, um, oh yeah, his magic, was so good. Yeah, magic, yeah. money or internet money yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I can't I remember the it, name. That's the I one. know what you're talking about though, because he has a great series on a whole bunch of stuff, and he was covering this. Yes, that's the one. And so he mentioned Bitcoin in there, and so we started to do a little bit of digging, and then it was just like the light bulb went off, and we were just like, "Holy shit!" Like we need to get into this now, and so we just moved whatever we could into Bitcoin at the time. And luckily enough, this was wow. in a window. Yeah. This was in a window where we had just sold a house we had in high park. We had it for four years. It went up a ridiculous amount. We had some, you know, after purchasing condos on the water near high park, we had some left over and that's essentially what went into BTC at the time. So we started buying it at $1,800. And oh so, um, but you know, the, so what year, what year is that? This is roughly what, yeah, this is, uh, end of 16. Oh my God. So 17, so yeah, about, about five years ago. Yeah. So, for, but, but oddly enough, Tom, it was like, when we saw how bad the current system, you know, the, the, the current state of affairs with the banking system, it, it for me, it truly was a vote against centralized banking and so you hear this you know people come for the number go up and they stay for the revolution i i you know for me giving you know the the system the the um you know the banking system the middle finger was was more that was more appealing to me at the time i mean yes we did hope obviously that that you know what we were get acquiring was going to increase in value but i was just so hell bent on getting out of the current system. And I, and intuitively felt like this was going to be our ticket out. And so obviously, you know, during that time, people thought we were crazy too, you know, cause I've been screaming at people for five years to buy Bitcoin and wow. we rode I that wave. I, I would have told you you were crazy too. Cause I had friends around that time telling me to buy Bitcoin. And I vividly remember my response. I was like, you don't understand. Um, I have property and businesses where I have to pay taxes in Canadian dollars. And I've known these friends for a long time. So I was telling them definitively, Mike, too. Okay. <laughs> I was like, this is a, a definitive answer. Like your, your Bitcoin does not make sense because I'm going to have to take it and change it into Canadian dollars and pay taxes if I, because they were telling me that people would start paying us in Bitcoin. And I'm like, well, all I see is the price goes up and the price goes down. And if it happens to go down before I pay my taxes, I might have to change it in Canadian dollars. I won't be able to pay my taxes. This stuff doesn't work. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll just start my own crypto one day and you'll have to buy it from me. And I didn't understand the limited supply. I didn't under, you know, and now I give those same friends crap, by the way. Because I tell them, why did you do such a shitty job selling me on it? You didn't tell me there was a, a set cap on it. You didn't tell me it wasn't controlled and the monetary system of it was fixed. I'm like all the best features of the scarcity of some, something that was digitally scarce that wasn't controlled by anyone. You forgot to tell me. And I, so I get, I'm joking. I'm obviously joking with them, but I'm like half serious. Yeah. <laughs> like you missed out all the best stuff. You just told me that it was like 
people would pay stuff, uh, use it to pay things for things. And I was like, damn, that doesn't resonate with me. So good on you, man. I, I can't believe you figured all that out. I mean, I can believe it because it sounds like you were slanted towards understanding the central banking system, but uh, I'm impressed. Awesome. I mean, it, it, if it's, you know, serendipitous or fluky, or we just were exposed to the right info or info that click like when you say like why didn't why didn't you tell me about this part or this yeah. element or this characteristic <laughs> it's it, you know what there's something to be said about that because every conversation or every anytime anyone is exposed to bitcoin early on it's always going to be something different that gets their attention and so there's no there's no one way to orange pill anyone because everyone's different everyone's going to receive an input info differently and so what, what might be like an, you know, an incredible feature to you, it might not be to somebody else. You know what I'm saying? So um, it, it's, it's never the same thing. We all kind of get there our different ways and we all have our own, you know, biases and preferences and, and things like that. So it's never, it's never, there's no one easy, you know, there's no one easy roadmap for like one size fits all. So. It's, um, so this was you and your brother. Yeah. And then when this is going on, so then you're putting it in with the intent at this point as a middle finger to the central banking system, which, which I really like. Um, and then uh, I'm just thinking if someone's just listening to us for the first time, they're like, who are these two people? Right. <laughs> but uh, uh, for anyone listening, I have a long history of not liking the central banking system, but uh so you do this and then you just are going to hold it. Like that's the whole intent. Like what yeah. was your thinking when you and your brother did that? You were just going to buy it. And this is something where you're going to kind of store your savings. It's almost like a savings account. hundred percent. That, that's exactly what we were thinking. And we had, you know, gotten orange pilled so hard. Like we'd gone down the rabbit hole far enough for us to think this is the most valuable thing that we will ever possess it is the most important invention we will ever see in our lifetime all those things just it just like hit us like a tidal wave and so it was absolutely something that we were thinking in terms of long-term savings acquiring holding and never selling and um yeah be because it was just it was this pristine asset that we did not want to touch so we rode that whole wave from where we bought it at 1800 all the way up to 20k where everyone thought oh these you know this guy's a genius like he told us and this and that and then it went down to 4k and people were like well maybe he's an idiot after all <laughs> and and i was i was adamant about saying this does not matter the, the price fluctuation, the volatility does not matter. This is an opportunity to buy more, to get more of it. And so I was convinced that the, 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 the volatility was only temporary. And if you truly understood what you had your hands on, you would never want to sell it. You would only see opportunities to buy more at discounted prices. That's how I saw it. And of course, we rode that wave all the way up again. And then it was... Maybe he's not an idiot. So it's just, mm. you know what? And, and it doesn't matter whether it's like, that was a smart move, a dumb move. You know, he's a genius. He's an idiot. That stuff doesn't, is irrelevant. It, it truly comes down to 
can, will someone, can and will someone do enough homework, enough research to get to that point where they understand it well enough to realize, man, this is the most pristine asset on the planet. It is the most important invention we will see for generations. Mm -hmm. And this is the hardest money that is on earth. And so when you, when you wrap your head around that, and it's very difficult for people to, to do that, um, then I, I believe that they become part of that movement where those coins go offline and they don't move. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away that uh, you were, you were thinking this way that early. So just a testament to you guys to figure that stuff out. So then it goes up in price comes all the way back down in price. And during that time, it sounds like you didn't shake at all. You were just holding steady and seeing if you could probably buy more at that point. And well, is that they, how, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say the, um, we didn't have, I mean, that was it. You know what I mean? Like we, we moved all everything that we, yeah, we yeah. had our if hands you're on. All in, you're all in. We yeah, were all yeah. in, but at yeah, the, I just but, mean, if you had an extra 20 bucks, right. <laughs> you know, you put it in, <laughs> it was, it was, it was sweep it in. But you know, even at the time there was so much uncertainty surrounding Bitcoin. Also, I will say mm -hmm. this, there was, there was still a lot of uncertainty fundamentally. And like, like principally it's like, it sounded amazing, but we still didn't know if there were going to be some hurdles that, that challenges that may be too great. And so we were, we were hedging our bets with a few other coins and things like that, just in case. And it wasn't long after that, where we, we start to see those challenges or those hurdles fall away where it was like, let's, let's sell the other stuff and let's, Let's make Got sure we, we get yeah, it. Yeah, right. I can see that. It's so early and you're just trying to hedge yourself a little bit. I yeah. think it's so hard because the volatility of it is difficult for people to overcome as an objection to it. I find when I'm explaining it to some people, it's that price volatility, they just can't wrap their heads around. I'm trying to think, the, I think the moment for me was... Um, the first chapter of Seyfedin Amus's book, The Bitcoin Standard, when he talks about humans over history, over time, will always choose something to be money that meets these three criteria the best. And he outlines the saleability of something across space, across time, and across scales. And I remember reading that and he was explaining that, you know, if something doesn't decay and it's why you don't use apples as money because they decay and there's something across space, you don't use apples again because they're cumbersome, you know, gold does a better job. And then when you outline it all, the saleability of Bitcoin, when compared to the next best form of money throughout time, which has been gold, you realize, oh my gosh, like this stuff, humans over time are going to naturally, they don't even know this but they're naturally going to choose this thing as a form of money more and more and more as it gets wider kind of knowledge or exposure. And when I had that realization, it just hit me like, holy crap. That was my moment that my brother and myself did what you and your brother did, you know, five years before us or whatever that was. And we just took everything we could possibly take and said, you know, we're moving it into Bitcoin. And at first, I think we were a little bit shy to explain that to people because it sounded like a little bit ludicrous, even to us. But then as you study more and more, you're like, holy smokes, we need to start getting this message out. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of have that moment where you're like, I need to start telling everybody I can about this. And you sound like a lunatic. <laughs> you know, you just sound, but that was my moment. That it was that book. It was a combination of several things, but uh, it was that particular book and reading those pages that made me think people are going to choose this as a form of money, even if they don't realize they'll choose it yet. You know, so hundred percent. And there's no way, there's no way for someone to um, fully grasp or appreciate how valuable Bitcoin is if they don't have a general understanding of money. And most people don't. Um, and I think that being part of the early education for people uh, is vital because if they don't realize, um, you know, how poorly these characteristics are met by, you know, what we're using, um, there's no way that they're going to be able to see the value of of even having Bitcoin. Because then the the argument will be, well, I've got a Visa card and I've got cash and I've got a debit card and what do I need uh, magic internet money for? You know what I mean? That that you just cannot cross that bridge. So um, that and and it's I, so difficult. You're right. Yeah. You're you're right. And 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 with a debt based money system like we have today, you'll also get into arguments with some economists. Not saying that I have or I I haven't. I definitely have. <laughs> um, where they think money is debt. So they believe the sole purpose of today's form of currency, the Canadian dollar, the American dollar, whatever, they believe its sole purpose for existence is to extinguish debt. Like their worldview is that that dollar exists, it came from debt, and it's used to extinguish debt. Right. So it's like a form of debt. And I'm like, oh, wow, like that's, so then when you talk about money and I talk about money, it's totally different. I, I tell them, I'm like, I'm not talking about that garbage. I'm talking about when I work hard and have some excess effort, my time and labor, I don't want to store it in something that you're describing. I want to score, store it in something that is maybe a truer sense of money that matches money's definition throughout history, not like the last, you know, hundred years or so of a fiat based system. And it's, it's difficult. It's, it, it's, it's difficult. You're just, sometimes you could be talking with someone, you're having two different conversations about the same topic, you know? So you're, you're right. Like the fact that you need, you had to have that background a little bit. And um, I think it helped us that we had like 10 years of studying interest rates and central banking. So when I finally read the right materials, like, holy shit, I got to yeah. jump on this stuff. Um, so yeah, cool. Uh, some, some, I, I, I'm just curious now, when did you get, cause you run your own, I, I want to call it a class from what I saw, but it's, it's almost every Monday you've chosen to run like a zoom session for you. And for anyone who's willing to join where you're talking about this subject, where did the idea from that come from? Um, I got about two and a half years ago, I got involved with a platform uh, a currency trading platform that paid in bitcoin and when i heard those words oh there's a way to make extra bitcoin i was i was curious and so i took a risk in getting into that it ended up panning out and because it was dealing with bitcoin where you had to purchase and then get paid in bitcoin in helping other people um, navigate this, 
more than half of the questions were purely Bitcoin related. Oh, so that Monday, that Monday call started as like you explaining some currency trading type stuff. It was it. Well, it was because I was, I had other days that I had allocated, like I had sort of scheduled to explain how the platform works. There were so many questions that were Bitcoin related. I decided to dedicate one night just to Bitcoin. Oh, got it. Oh, right? wow. Okay. And so, because that was more than half of what was going on. And so, the, you know, the other stuff is, you know, has been on hold for a while, but I decided to keep going with the Monday nights for Bitcoin. And every once in a while, someone will come on and ask me a trading question. I said, you know what? That's for another night. This is strictly Bitcoin. And I've made it that I've kept it that way for over a year now. And so it was always something that, I mean, I, I did it sort of, sort of out of necessity. And then I was like, you know what, this is a lot of fun. And people seem to, you know, enjoy being part of this group. They, you know, I've got a sort of a, a small, hard group of uh, a hardcore group of people that keep coming back every week. And I thought, Hey, why, you know, why not, why not keep this up and use this as an opportunity for my own, you know, journey down this Bitcoin path. So, you know, I can learn, you know, it, it sort of pushes me to learn more so that I can then in turn help other people learn. So, um, which is really all I'm doing. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm learning as I go and, in, and at the same time, pretty much turning around and trying to teach someone else what I've just learned. Which and is how you really learn it, when you try I, to teach it. I yeah. think so. Right. I think so. So I just kept up with that. It's been, you know, I guess a year and probably a year ago, January. So yeah, it's been over a year. Um, so since we're talking about that subject, if someone wanted to jump on that, where would, the, where's the best place to go to find the URL or to. So I have a telegram group, which is simply the URL is bitcoinbullets.ca. And if people go to that, link it will take them to the join group um option to join the telegram group and once they're in there um there's a pin message which takes them to the very first i think the first thing that i posted which was an intro to bitcoin video and people can kind of work their way down with the info because it's more it's more basic stuff at the top and then it gradually starts to get you know more and more advanced so people that are brand new to Bitcoin definitely want to start at the top and work their way down until they get you know, caught up to current day. But every week I post the details in that group for the Zoom call. And yes, it is open to anyone and everyone who wants to jump on. I'm curious, do you have like a most common question uh, from that? Like, do, is, it, is it volatility maybe? I'm just trying um, to think like, what is the, or is it just all over the map? It's, it's kind of all over the map because I, I you know, Part of it is, part of it is like sort of current events, right? News, what's happening, you know, this week, you know, is there anything that sort of jumped out, you know, and what's been going on sort of around the world have, have been these sort of flashing, you know, flashing lights for, you know, uh, to, to buy a Bitcoin or to, to get Bitcoin, right? We've got the trucker thing, you know, with accounts being frozen in Canada, You've got wars happening around the world where the only way for them to transact is via Bitcoin. So there's all these, you know, all these real-time scenarios that are these glaring examples of how powerful the different characteristics of uh, Bitcoin are. 
And so, you know, we'll discuss sort of those examples. Um, different things will pop up. You know, I'll have guests on the call uh, as you do. I've had Greg Foss on. I've had Jesse Berger on. Tonight, I've actually got, um, I reached out to, and the Bitcoin Twitter community is incredible. They're just so generous with their time. I've got um, a guy from Australia who runs a site called Ministry of Nodes. And he's going to come on the call tonight just to give my audience, my group, a full rundown on what is a Bitcoin node and how you can run one yourself. Awesome. And so, you know, at some point we'll get into, you know, some more mining stuff, but there's all these, I mean, there's, there's endless sort of topics for discussion. So yes, it is, it is somewhat random. Uh, early on in the calls, you know, I, uh, you, you know, who'd be interesting for you too. We had him on here. He just blew me away. Young guy out of Toronto, Kevin Rook. Have you heard of him? He's, he follows the lightning network mm. really, really intimately. Mm. And on Twitter, he's always putting out the latest stats on lightning and cool. different things that are coming out on the lightning network. Really well-spoken. He was on this podcast a couple months ago. Um, I should probably connect you guys just please do that whole area, you know, the lightning network, like everyone's kind of tracking it, but there's no one really who's kind of speaking deeply about it. Um, He's just a great resource. Please do uh, please connect us because I would love to have him on. Um, And that's exactly the kind of, that's exactly the kind of stuff that I would love to have, you know, my, my crew exposed to is things like that. And I try and find experts in each sort of, you know, domain, or area so that they're not always listening to me every week because I'm far from an expert. So, um, oh my gosh, none of us are experts. We're all just making our way. Uh, right. I, I'm so now. How does this like? When do you have the idea to um, go down south? And it sounds like you're staying there longer than maybe you thought. Because I think I remember talking to you in the fall when you were in our office on that podcast. Yes. You were like, in my mind, you were going to go for four months. To I don't know why I thought it was Colombia. Maybe you hadn't decided yet. Or I get, I don't know if you told me Mexico at the time and I just um, didn't hear it properly, but now you're in Mexico and it sounds like you're going to stay there longer. So walk us through this. Was it yeah. two winters ago? Were you also doing this or is this new for you? This is, and what this, is your, and what are you thinking going forward? So like, how do you first decide that you're leaving Canada for the winter? So the, yeah, this is new. Uh, I probably would have spent the win, winter elsewhere during COVID if we could have traveled, but that didn't happen. So I just sort of put my head down and, and got to work. Um, but this, yeah, when I saw you at, uh, at your place for that, um, that recording, uh, I was only, yeah, I think a couple weeks away from leaving. So it was kind of a last minute decision to get out before they weren't going to let anyone fly out. And I just thought, Hey, why not, you know, why not take that opportunity, go south somewhere? I did have a, I did plan a trip to Columbia. It was, it was a one week thing with a buddy, um, which we oh, did okay. go. I think that's right. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. We did go. So I spent a week in, in Tulum, a week in Columbia, and then back to Tulum. And I've been here ever since. Uh, Columbia was amazing. I definitely want to go back at some point. But yes, Tulum just kind of felt like a good landing spot. It, it sort of checked you know, most of the boxes that I was looking for. And it, yes, it was initially, it was going to be uh, till the end of March thing, just like the winter. Then, you know, and looking at the landscape of what's transpired in Canada um, and not having the ability, if I were to go back to leave again, I just said, you know what, I'm going to stay put. And so I've, 
I am in the process of applying for temporary residency, which will give me four years. Uh, and I've signed a one-year lease. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to roll with it. So where now. is Tulum in Mexico? Where, where are we in Mexico? Just so can just South of Cancun, you've got Playa del Carmen, which is okay. about an hour away. And then another hour away, let's say is Tulum. So about two okay. hours South of Cancun. And then as far as, I guess, just some of the things from headlines, you feel like you're in a safe environment there. Yes, I do. Um, I mean, I'm look, it's, and people always ask me like, is it safe there? Can I come it, it, because in the media you'll hear I think just about, lately, I think in the last six months, for whatever reason, I've heard a little bit of that area. Yeah. So whether it be Cancun, Playa or Tulum um, over the past half year, every once in a while you hear a story about, you know, somebody's gunned down or whatever, and they make it into the sensational story where that happens, you know, numerous times a day sure, in any yeah, U.S. Yeah. city, yeah, right? Yeah. But you don't hear that, like, you know, 20 people were shot today in Chicago. Like, you don't hear that, right? But all of a sudden, the one time that there was a, you know, a cartel drug thing and someone got shot, it's a massive story. And so everyone's concerned about safety and security here, but um, primarily those are, those are people involved with drugs on some level. And it's not sort of, it, it very seldomly is these random occurrences. What about the cost of living? What, what can you tell us just about like, you know, rough, I don't know, like ballpark stuff to live or, or cost of food. What's the cost of living there right now? So Tulum from what I can gather is the most expensive place in all of Mexico. <laughs> Um, oh really? Okay. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. I pay. I was. I just left. I was in a uh, two-bedroom condo. Nothing super fancy up until this past month, and I was paying twenty-five hundred Canadian a month. So oh, got it. Okay. If, I, you're, if I'm coming from Toronto, it's like, hey, this it's a bit of a sale price. Anywhere else, you're thinking that's kind of expensive. Yeah. I'm. I. I got this one year lease in a nicer place and paying 400 bucks less a month. So I'm somewhere around 2,100 a month Canadian now for a much nicer place. And that's because I've signed a, I've committed to 12 months. Oh, got it. Okay. And also it, I didn't do the, I didn't sign in the middle of sort of peak season. Um, because it. if you're here during sort of like November through January, you're going to be paying considerably more for. And are you seeing a lot uh, of Canadians down there? Tons, tons. Do, doing I, the same thing you're doing, renting places for six months, a year or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Tons of them. They're di digital nomads sort of, um, or they, they've found a way to, to work online. Um, I hear French spoken almost like I would say every other day at the gym. And so I just fire up a convo. They're from Quebec. And it's, yeah, it's similar stories um, from not only other Canadians, but from people around the world. And it's, um, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And then what about just other things like uh, food? Do you have a, do you have a car? Do you not need a car? What about the I, other, I, other, other life costs? So I don't bother with a car because I don't, if I need to go to Playa or Cancun, I might rent a car for the day or a buddy does and we go together. You can hop on a bus or a Collectivo for pretty, uh, pretty cheap. So I don't, there's no point in having a car. Rentals are crazy expensive. Um, I purchased an ATV, a four-wheeler. Oh, cool. Yeah, for like 
what was it? 3000 bucks or something like that, because they'll rent them out for, you know, a hundred bucks a day. So I'm doing some quick math thinking I'm going to be here for several months. It just makes more sense to buy one. So I did that. It cost me six bucks us to fill the tank. And so with gas prices mooning, I feel pretty good about that. So even though my rent may be, you know, considered high in terms of, you know, other places you could be like, I could get, I could get, you know, the same place probably in Playa for half the price almost. Um, for me, it's a wash. Yeah. For me, it's a wash. And it's half the price there just because this is a much nicer area. Tulum is, is, is definitely on the up and up the, the construction, okay. the development here is exploding. Um, this neighborhood that I'm in, Aldea Zama, is very sought after. It's um, the security guards at every building. You know, it's considered a safe place to be. So it's um, got it. Okay, it, it's okay. very desirable. Yeah. And then, what what was the mental process for deciding to uh, sign a one year extension on this lease? Like, what went through your head to do that? So part of it was the situation in Canada. I just did not want to return to the existing circumstances. I didn't want to be back and, and trapped where I could yeah. not leave again for the foreseeable future. So that just rubbed me the wrong way. And I just decided I'm going to extend here. Uh, and in looking into temporary residency, because I had been to Mexico and I had passport stamps between 2015 and 2020, the immigration lawyer said, well, in that case, I can apply to get you four years. And it's like 1200 bucks or something like that. It's pretty. So, it's, so, it's so just cheap. walk me through that because you had visited that some kind of criteria to being helpful in getting this resident status. Yeah. And it's, tw- it's, it's, it's how much, how much money it's, did you through this particular lawyer? It's yeah. going to cost me something like 12, $1,300. Wow. And that gets you four years, you're saying? Four years residency, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Got it. So with four, with residence status, I'm just trying to walk through this. Do you get a Mexican driver's license? It's it, my, you know, a buddy of mine was able to do that through some avenue. I may explore that also. There's okay. some rights that you can get, not full sort of citizenship yeah, yeah, sure. rights. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there are some, you know, perks to that. It'll definitely help with... Um, you know, just opening access, bank accounts if you wanted to. Like I know like we're that. talking Bitcoin, but if you want to talk of some of that older world stuff, feel a local. I'm just thinking a local driver's license or something might just. Yeah, be per you know purchases owning. Um, I'm not positive if owning property is is uh, under the temporary residency umbrella or if you have to be permanent for that. I'm not positive. I haven't done all my homework on the different sort of um, status levels and what they get you, but. Um, yeah, it was, it was more along the lines of not having the hassle of having to leave and come back to renew this, the travel visa yeah, every totally. few months. So. And it must be more expensive where you're, cause we have a friend that's in the Cancun proper area. And he was telling us that he's spending about half as much as you in rent. And, uh, so, but again, like he's, I think in like a busier kind of right in the middle of Cancun, but he was also able to get like a gardener person that also kind of does like half cook. Mm. They're like cook gardener. Yeah. I don't know how you get that combination, right? but uh, for a really inexpensive amount. And I was yeah. like, holy smoke. So he was just like, he was thinking of extending as well. Cause he's like, you know what? I came down here for the winter and now at these costs, 
um, I'm just staying down there. He's down there with his family, some young kids and even, and he's thinking about staying longer. So, um, more Canadians are kind of doing that. Okay. So you're down, you're down there. And then after a year, I guess you're just going to play it by ear. You'll see yeah. what you, you need to do because right now for, you don't need to be in Canada for a job or income or anything like that. So you can be anywhere you want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then what, so what next now for you on the, on the Bitcoin front, if you were to, you know, tell somebody to start looking into it. How do you, how does someone go down the rabbit hole? I know you have your Monday night call, but um, how does, is, is it looking at some of those Mike Maloney videos that helped you? Do you have like a process for explaining to people, Hey, if you're going to check this stuff out, here's the process to go through or yeah. is it just come to your Monday night stuff and start learning? Yeah. I mean, if let's, if I bump into someone this afternoon and I say, Hey, jump on my call tonight and and this Aussie dude jumps on, he's talking about nodes. They're going to be like, what is this? Like yeah, they it's might so over their head. Yeah. Right. They, they like, and I will have him, you know, give a very basic, you know, um, overviews to what a node is, what, what functions does it perform, why it's important for the network. And then how can we as individuals, um, what are the options for us to run our own partial node or full node or whatever? What are the easiest, most cost-effective ways? So even if someone were to jump on and they're not super tech savvy, they will at least get an understanding and I'll make sure that it's a, it's sort of explained in a very basic way for a complete beginner. So they may feel a little bit, uh, you know, they don't understand Bitcoin quite yet, but they've, they'll, they'll at least get sort of broad strokes as to what happens with this node and why it's important. But typically I would suggest that someone jump into the telegram group, start at the pin message, which is intro to Bitcoin video, and then start working their way down. So um, that's usually where I'll send people. If they've done, if they've done some whole, you know, they've been exposed to Bitcoin somewhat. Um, it, it, you know, some people that I would never expect would will then tell me, oh, I have some already. I'm like, oh, so a quick combo, I can kind of see where they're at. And then if if they're avid, you know, if they're voracious readers, I might suggest a book. If they, if they you know, watch YouTube, I might send them to some, you know, Michael Saylor. Um, sure. Yeah, you know, he's videos. a good resource for sure. Yeah, or, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just, yeah. I, I want to find the avenue. Like I, I quickly want to decipher uh you know which which you know mediums they'll most likely gravitate towards and what their what their style what their personality is trying to find a match you know what i mean so um and that, that and that'll be different for everyone so in sort of this broad landscape you know that is bitcoin there's there's so many ways to get the info across um and to your point earlier, it's like, you know, what we were talking about at, at the onset was kind of like certain features or characteristics may not resonate or sort of, you know, ring a bell with certain people and where they would with others. So it's, it's a recipe, right? And there's, and getting there is always different. So, um, yeah. Mike, what about, 
sorry to cut you off no, there. No, I'm thinking, ahead. I'm just kind of thinking as you're, you're, you're kind of unique doing all this, man, like you're giving back to people by teaching this particular subject. You've chosen to kind of live life on your terms, like the t-shirt that you're wearing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're definitely, you're doing it. What is some of your family, like is your, your brother still up in, I don't know where he lives, but is he in the Toronto area? Is there, what is some of your, do you have other family? What are, what do they say about you? Are you like an outside lunatic at this point or your brother, I, probably, I guess, understands? A hundred percent. He does more than anyone. Um, he's still, he's in my, my, uh, my parents' place in St. Catharines. Um, and he's got a wife and, and four-year-old daughter. So he's not oh, cool. as, mo he's not as mobile. Yeah. And otherwise they, they probably would have made the move and done something similar. Um, but it was, you know, it was a last minute thing. Then they were stuck. And so now they're hoping to come visit, you know, in the fall, but you know, we're, we're, you know, we get, I get on calls with, you know, my sort of inner circle of, of, you know, peeps that are my brother and some close buddies and we'll do it pretty regularly. We'll discuss what's happening in terms of, you know, the landscape of what's going on in Canada. Do we want to sort of, it, does a long-term outlook look um, like something we want to participate in? Uh, what are our other options? Always trying to keep options open. Um, what's the status of Bitcoin in different countries? You know? Um, wow. So you're having like regular calls on these topics with like your, your, your own network. Well, we're, yeah, we're, I mean, everyone's sort of thinking like, what's our plan? Like, what are we, are we going to, you know, we, we want to sort of stay together as a close knit community because we are, we'd like to be in physical proximity of one another. Yeah. So it's like, let's build a compound. You know what I mean? Like, where do we do that? And so, you know, we've thrown ideas around and, and, um, you know, it was BC and Calgary and area and all this, you know, these different spots. And then it's like, well, you know what, now, you know, the way it looks, maybe it's not Canada. Maybe that's not our sort of permanent setup. What are our other options? Do we look at a Texas? Can we get into a Texas? Um, do we look at Central or South America? You know, so everyone's kind of got their little role in this and, and uh, you know, me being you know, having no responsibilities and no, you know, <laughs> you're the pioneer, right? You're the pioneer right. shove Mike out there, see what he, where he <laughs> lands. Exactly. And I'm like, well, I'll do my part. And I'm, you know, I, I've, it was very important for me to learn Spanish. That was a big, um, that was a big sort of, um, oh, cool. point for me to come down was like fitness in Spanish and, and I'm going to start orange pilling people. So th that was my focus in coming down here. So regardless of where we end up, I know Spanish is going to be important um, because we will definitely be spending a good chunk of the year in either central or South America, because that's where it, it feels like Bitcoin adoption will be accelerated the, the, the quickest. I'm, I'm kind of hearing, I don't know if this is official yet, but I'm kind of hearing that El Salvador is going to have like a $300,000 for a passport and $75,000 uh, I guess it's a person for uh, resident status. That sounds about right. Um, and, I think, uh, they, would you, I think would they, you? Yeah, I think they were talking about it in terms of Bitcoin. And I think it was like one BTC or something yeah, like you're that. Right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. That's what they were talking about. Is that, um, could you ever see yourself in El Salvador? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know. Can you imagine me asking you this like 
10 years ago when you were in Toronto saying, hey, Mike, can you imagine yourself in El Salvador? And you didn't even really hesitate. You just said, yeah. Yeah. No, like how much is the world change in 10 years? And that's what I'm thinking. Like, what is it going to, how is it going to change in the next 10 years? Cause 10 years ago, you would have never answered the way you just answered. There's no El way. Salvador. There's no, no way. There's no, and chance. now you, you basically didn't hesitate. So yeah. 10 years from now, what are we going to be saying about El Salvador? And what are we going to be saying about Canada? <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I mean, you don't even have to answer. You don't even have to, yeah. It might be a total I, flip. I, I think it might be a total flip. Like, is it possible? Like, is it possible that like the land of the free becomes a country that's like an American, I'm sure that's not a Canadian kind of land of the free. That sounds like an American thing I just right. said, but right. like Canada and the freedoms, is it like, does it flip? Does it really become like where we get those freedoms in a place like El Salvador? Not that they have everything figured out right now. They don't, but I just no. mean, they seem to be on the, on a different trend. And is Canada going to be different? And to hear that you're having conversations with your friends like that, and I'm getting asked this more and more, um, you know, it feels like a thing we're going to start talking about more and more. Nick and I both have citizenship in Croatia and we have British and Croatian citizenship. Um, but uh, it seems like how many citizenships you have and how many legal places you have to land and open different things up is going to be a big deal over the next 10 years. And you're not, you're feeling the same. Huge yeah. deal. Um, I think it's, it's absolutely essential to have a plan B that does not look like Canada at all. Um, I think having another passport or, you know, permanent residency, the perks that go along with it. Um, and for us, obviously Bitcoin adoption is a huge, is a huge part of that. And so what we're, what we're considering is, or what we're looking at is, we feel like there's approximately a three-ish year window ahead of us right now where we're going to be sort of uh, somewhat patient and just to see how the landscape unfolds and see who adopts Bitcoin. You know, what are the tax implications? Is it going to be a zero capital gains situation? Um, what's property ownership look like? And, um, because there's no point in spending Bitcoin right now. It makes no sense. No one wants to be the guy that bought two pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoin. Like it just doesn't, it does not make any sense. So the way I look at it is, you know, we're going to have a huge run up in price post the next halving, right? So historically, we've always seen 18 months post halving. We've seen an all-time high. And especially with what's going on now, there's no reason to believe that that trend would not continue. As Michael Saylor says, it's just going to continue to go up forever. Um, I, you know, people still have not wrapped their heads around absolute scarcity. And that's a, an aside, but I think what we're looking at is we're going to see a huge, a tremendous run up over the next few years. It, we could see it go parabolic within that time based on some crazy news. Apple decides to sure, who knows you know, sweep brings. our, you know, our, our cash reserves into bit, yeah. whatever, like anything could send it to the moon at any given point in time. But I think realistically, we're looking at a substantial increase, let's say by the end of 2025, 2026. And in that time frame, 
I think we're going to see the rate of adoption of Bitcoin grow dramatically. I think we'll see other countries in Central and South America adopt it. And primarily because they're all watching El Salvador and the, and they see, oh, wow, um, El Salvador's GDP goes up 3% as soon as they adopt Bitcoin. Well, why don't we do that? Right. And so a lot of there's a lot of shuffling going on right now. And a lot of people are a lot of countries are trying to figure out how to make it work. But I think it will that will be the case. The game theory behind it is fascinating. I think the second person to the party is what makes it a party. And then I think we'll see dominoes start to fall. Um, But for that reason, where Central and South American countries are in much greater financial turmoil with with currencies that have been, you know, debased to oblivion, they, it's like they're not going to have a choice, right? You know, your Argentinas, your Venezuelas, those are, you know, those are sort of leading the charge and, and the Bitcoin adoption in those places is, is going nuts. And so politicians now, I think representatives or, you know, uh, politicians from every country in Central and South America are now making a substantial amount of noise saying, Bitcoin needs to be part of our platform. If I get in, this is going to be part of it, you know, whatever the case may be, but there's a lot more support for it. And so somebody tweeted, you know, long Central and South American countries, short North American, you know, like Canada, US. And I kind of think there's some truth to that because Canada and the US will be last to adopt. I wish that weren't the case. I don't think they have the foresight to, to get on that train early. I think they'll probably, you know, buck the trend and, and try and drag out what's happening for as long as they can, unfortunately. Whereas these countries, which feel like they probably have nothing to lose, and here's our opportunity to, you know, become second first world nations. Here's, our, here's the window of opportunity. So. I think it'll take some see. real leadership on their part because you're right. Huge. I was just going to say it. They have nothing to lose no. except, and I want them to have this battle. So I'm not defending it mm-hmm. except that the international monetary fund, which a lot of these countries depend on for us dollar funding that puts them into an indebted situation for the country's history will make their lives as miserable as possible if they talk about Bitcoin, just like El Salvador with IMF saying, hey, you're going to do this. We're going to stop our funding. The rates on lending are going to go up. Your bond, your your debt, um, the cost of it is going up. So um, it's going to take some real leadership. But because they have less to lose, I got to think others come to the party like you're saying, and I like your idea of a three-year window because it feels like it's going to take about that much time to kind of see some action and see where things lie here a little bit for any Canadian deciding if they want to make a citizenship play in some other country. might take a little bit of time to see where some of the chips fall. Yep. Um, But yeah, like the geopolitics in this is like extraordinary. I'd like to believe that we have a politician like... uh, that would come and just do what Greg talks about and saying pricing some of the energy resources we have in this country in Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, who's, who's going to bank on any of that stuff actually happening here. It, I know Pierre, I can will. never say his last name, but I know Pierre. One of the, yeah. Poliev. Is that how yeah. you said um, that's going to try to be the leader of the conservative party? I know he's been talking, he's been saying the right things. I'm so scorned 
by all politicians. Yeah. I just, you know, even if you hear something that sounds interesting, I just kind of, you know, you just kind of like, oh, really? Like, are you trying to get votes here or is this a real thing? But uh, I'm thinking, I'm leaning your way right now. I think Canada will unfortunately be one of the last of the party too much to lose and they're a little bit of a pawn of the americans on the geopolitics side where canada has to stay strong with their biggest trading partner we'll see i don't know and and you're right and pierre is saying the right things he's financially he's on the ball he's given 10 minute talks on sound money in the house right and which is like which is almost like like, shocking like that yeah that's almost like reading reading like the first chapter of of the bitcoin standard you know what i mean it's like he gets it Greg Foss has his ear, right? He's been talking to Greg monthly for, I don't know how long. And um, so he, he understands it. He's, you know, he's openly talked about Bitcoin. He's done the transaction with Ali at at Tahini's, you know what I mean? Like he's doing the right things. And so, yes, is it angling? You know, Bitcoin, I think going forward, Bitcoin will be a, an election uh, talking point for any like ubiquitous uh yeah i think you're right yes. everywhere so it's it's going to be ubiquitous um and some politicians will use that as an angle to hey look to show how progressive they are and some may actually grok it and yeah. so whether they do or don't at least they're talking about it even if they make the move to to you know implement more of it it, it's good for everyone. And so it, it's so difficult to see though, like what's going to happen. And, and that's probably the same window as to when the next election Canada is going to happen. There's going to be so much going on yeah. in the next three years. Yeah. It's mind blowing. Yeah. It's, it's, it is mind blowing. Yeah. Jeez. Um, uh, Mike, um, I guess we could keep, uh, we could keep talking. I just want to thank you for doing, I'm just thinking as you're speaking, I'm like, this is like so crazy. Like Someone listening to this might listen to us and say, what the heck are those guys even talking? El Salvador, right. Bitcoin, hard money. Like, are you guys, like, what are you guys, what are you smoking? <laughs> what are you smoking? But then I'm just thinking about it. Like you are changing, you've, you've changed your life because of Bitcoin. Like, look at what, what you are, where you are. Um, Nick and I are in the real estate game. We're talking about Bitcoin. You brought up Greg Foss's name. He comes from a bond trader mentality. He talks about Bitcoin. Another Canadian, Jeff Booth, comes from a technology background. He talks about Bitcoin. So if you're listening to this, it's just people from all different backgrounds and walks of life, all talking the same thing. Just don't dismiss it. Just just pay attention, even if you're not sold on buying any. Actually, I take that back. I would say, I would say, get off zero. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what happens? Get a hundred dollars. Get a hundred dollars worth. What happens if it takes off? You cannot have zero exposure to it. Um, You have to find a way, and so, um, and that's easy to get people on board. They can literally be buying Bitcoin and have it in a wallet. You know, within you know minutes in some cases. So. Definitely it's, a, it's a whole other conversation because when someone buys it and then you go through the exercises of explaining how you can custody your own keys, it's you see the light bulb moment of like how you can just kind of separate some of your net worth out of the system entirely. Mm-hmm. It's kind of mind blowing, right? So anyway, Mike, I, I appreciate this. I don't think you uh, knew really what you were walking into when I, and I asked to chat with you, but what I really appreciate about what you're doing is you're teaching people, you're sharing your own story. You know how many Canadians are asking us right now, Hey, what, 
what do we do? Do we go to Mexico? Do, like, it's the same conversations you're having with your friends. So for you to share that you're there and some of the details of what you're going through with signing leases and residency status and how much you're paying rent in different areas and that kind of stuff, totally appreciated it because some Canadians listening to this do not have exposure to any of that information. So for you to share it, for you, it might be like second nature because you're living it, but it could be mind blowing for someone else. So thank you. You did not have to sit here and do this. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time. It's my pleasure, Tom, and anyone that has other questions or is even curious about coming down here, especially to Mexico, you can put them in touch with me. I'd be more than happy to spend time chatting with them and, and you know, awesome. maybe clarifying some stuff or helping them out in any way that I can. It's not a problem. Okay. So we'll leave the best contact information for now. You could reach out to us for sure. And don't forget about bitcoinbullets.ca because on there, Mike has the link to his telegram group. So you can kind of follow what he's up to there as well. So it's bitcoinbullets.ca. Correct. And if you're not using telegram, telegram is just another like kind of messaging app, really simple. You can kind of download it. And I'm pretty sure everybody has telegram at this point or mostly. I think so. Yeah. But Mike, anything before we wrap, anything else come to your mind that you wanted to share? Are you a Leafs fan? Dude, are you a Leafs fan or are you? No, you're born in Saskatchewan. You, well, so you're like. The, I, I was I was born in Saskatchewan. I grew up in Alberta. So I was in oh, small no. town Alberta. So I was half the town was uh, Oiler fans. Oilers? And the other half, because it was a very strong French community, the other half were Canadians fans. The Habs, man, and, they get the, they, you know what? They get the love everywhere. I just want the Leafs to have the love everywhere. <laughs> but the Habs having fans in Alberta? Jeez. Yeah. No, you know what's funny is my uh, my neighbor at my other place is originally from Edmonton as well, and he's a big hockey guy. And I haven't, I haven't been keeping up with it, honestly. It's been... Um, the Leafs, hey, listen, this I'm not even going to say this is our year for the Cup because I've been a fan my whole life, so let's just yeah. slow down. But we might get through first round of the playoffs. And it's no easy task because it looks like we're going to play Tampa. So it looks like we might Tough have sledding. home. Yeah, tough. But we're, we're, we're a team. We're No, we're a team. I know I'm a Leafs fan. So yeah. like, but no, we're, we're like, it's we a have legit a team. team this year. Yeah, it's, no, no. It's, it's I'll exciting. say fairly legit. I'll hedge a little bit. It's <laughs> fairly legit. Uh, we have goaltending is a little bit of an open net right now. That's a bit of an issue. That's yeah. A, but yeah, okay. Got it. So you're nice. half. So, but we, basically what you're telling me is you're half, half Oilers fan and half Habs no, fan. No, you know what? I, somehow I ended up a Flyers fan and I can't oh, really, I can't tell you how that happened. It must've been watching Bobby Clark as a kid, something yeah, pulled yeah, me in. And so I, I have no, uh, well, dude, I have no, that means you're a Leafs fan race. now because Wayne Simmons is over on the Leafs and how can you not love Wayne Simmons? You have so to love through Wayne. Wayne through, yeah, you have to, you have to he's going to stand up for the whole team. You got to love him. So in the playoffs, you're probably cheering for the Leafs. That's what I'm hearing. I'm you don't okay have to say it, Mike. You don't have to, you don't have to say <laughs> <laughs> but uh cool so listen you have friends up here anything you need that we can ever help out with please let us know and you know let your brother know and whoever you know needs to hear that you know if we can help out with anything in any way and uh mike yeah just thank you for doing this man i really appreciate you sharing the story these are the best stories for me so thank you so much hey it's my pleasure tom it's always great to chat with you i had a blast with greg and and jesse uh last time we did this so uh i would love to come back and anytime you want and, and we'll give you an do, update maybe, some maybe a year from now we'll get an yeah maybe we'll turn to an annual thing where we get an update and i'm like where are you now <laughs> yeah. where where is mike now <laughs> cool. i have a feeling i will be south of uh 
the 49th parallel. I have a feeling as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you for feeling. this, Mike. Thank hey. you. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Hey, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Mike. You can find Mike on Twitter at Bitcoin underscore bullets. That's at Bitcoin underscore bullets. And he has his own Telegram group, which you can find at BitcoinBullets.ca. So the link to the Telegram group, if you're on Telegram, is at BitcoinBullets.ca. You'll find that there. That's it for this episode. Also, if you are looking for some real estate investing information, you can always go to RockstarInnerCircle.com to find books, reports, videos, more podcasts like these. That's it. Until next time, your life, your terms.